Hey, welcome to the Recruiting Show. I'm your host, Andrew Nimick of the Oregonian and Oregon Live, bringing you the latest on the Oregon Ducks, Oregon State Beavers, and Oregon High School Athletics. The Ducks have a Friday night game. So many high school football prospects will be playing Friday night that it is not a big recruiting weekend. There are some visitors, and we will get to those visitors in, in the second part of this show, but it is not the main content this week, and the Oregon State Beavers are on by, which gives us a perfect time, frankly, to take a look at Oregon High High school athletes, specifically the classes of 2022 and 2023 football prospects, that is, in the state of Oregon. And I know it's the year 2021, but you've got to think recruiting brain. We're already almost done with class of 2022 prospects. Oregon State is only taking probably 15 or 16 pledges in their class. They're at 12. They're only taking three or four more. Oregon has 21 already. They might only take a few more. So for the most part, both those programs are about 80% or more wrapped up. And that's the same with these class of 2022 prospects for the most part they're done they're already committed they're already evaluated there are some late risers there are some late fallers that's some of the stuff we're going to get into so mostly when i talk about 2022s we'll be recapping where guys are headed how they developed etc and then we'll take a look at 2023s because 2023 is a really interesting year so much so that i've spent the past couple weeks trying to talk to evaluators that evaluate the northwest area whether they're regional recruiters for their colleges or they themselves are uh, high school coaches in this area, et cetera, about this class and, and this class of 2023, because they are kind of on deck here. They're taking visits. They're looking at how things are shaping up in their recruitments. And it really is time almost to turn the page and start focusing on them. But first, 2022 prospects, obviously, and it has been from the beginning, the headliner of this class, still uncommitted. It's Westview wide receiver Darius Clemens. What a journey he's been on. I've mentioned to people a number of times, radio show, podcast, he started coming out to different E-Force events, different camp showcase events. When he was in the eighth grade and he was young, he was overwhelmed physically, but he ran pretty good routes. He had pretty good hands. He was nervous. He was kind of quiet. He's not that kid anymore, but he was as an eighth grader. And I really got to know him and kind of started rooting for him as this eighth grader that was frankly holding his own against most of the sophomores. It was those juniors and seniors when he was an eighth grader that he had a hard time with. He's now the number one prospect in the state of Oregon. And not only that, but he earned invitations to the Under Armour All-American game and recently the All-American Bowl. It is that All-American Bowl invitation that he accepted just last week. Darius Clemens down to a final three of Auburn, Oregon, and Penn State. He tells me it's very possible that he commits on national television at the All-American Bowl. What a journey. <laughs> I remember seeing him the first time at Clackamas in, at high school for a seven-on-seven event, and he held his own. And then one of the elite corners there kind of got in his face and, and pressed him at the line and just shut him down. And And obviously, again, he was very young at the time. I'm not criticizing. He still managed to make a few catches in a couple of those games. You go, this kid's a bright spot. And now you, you fast forward a few years, and he's going to maybe make his announcement on national television. It's just weird for me personally to have seen this little eighth grader on the Clackamas High School fields and now potentially watching him and covering him uh, commit on national TV. Darius Clemens, 
really talented young man, really nice man, uh, young man, comes from a great family. He's had quite the journey uh, to make sure he had a big junior year. Uh, he actually ended up playing in Utah along with some other teammates. He's now back in Oregon and, and dominating competition. This one's going to co- probably come down to the wire. And, it, and it's funny, you look at 24-7 sports predictions, I believe there's a prediction for all three of his top programs, Auburn, Penn State, and Oregon. He is predicted by various experts to commit to all three. And part of the reason is he he's kept things pretty close to, to the vest. His family has kept things pretty close to the vest. The other reason is these recruitments are complicated. You look at Oregon and and he may like Oregon as much as anyone, but if they have McMillan already committed, who might be the best receiver in the country, certainly in the discussion to be the best receiver in the country, they've got uh, Steven Johnson, they've got Nicholas Anderson, who's an all American Under Armour All American selection. They've got a number of really talented receivers. On top of the fact that in the last recruiting cycle, they landed Dante Thornton, they landed Troy Franklin, they landed Chris Hudson. They have a lot of young receivers. They're going to have seven or eight freshman receivers or soft, you know, redshirt freshman, true sophomore receivers, very young receivers in that program. So Darius, if he's looking to play early, Oregon might not make the most sense. And again, it is going to come down to his preferences as far as that goes. He's visited Auburn already. He's visited Penn State already. And again, he's visited Oregon several times. This one's going to be a tough call. And again, I think it's going to come down to fit because I think he likes all three of those schools. Having talked to him, I know he likes all three of those schools. So uh, the other piece here is that bowl game. The All-American Bowl is in January. The early signing period is in December. We've seen this before a number of times that prospects sign quietly, silently. They don't tell anybody and they actually don't announce them during the press conferences. They'll hint potentially that there might be another commitment coming down the road. And then when they announce at the All-American Bowl, the Under Armour game, then the university has a release that says they're committed. We saw this with Dante Manning, the five-star corner, a couple of years ago. If Darius Clemens commits, he very to Oregon or Auburn or Penn State, frankly, we could very easily see this route that during by the end of the early signing period, he has signed, but it's not announced. Once he announces on national television, then it's released. And again, it's not actually set in stone. He's going to commit on national TV. That's just where he's leaning right now. But there are a number of other possibilities for him, including just deciding one day he's ready to commit and pulling the trigger because, again, he's visited all three of his schools. So he's pretty much wrapped up. Number two and number three in 24-7's list of the top Oregon prospects in 2022 are a pair of Oregon commits, Trajan Williams, the safety out of Jefferson, and Amarion Winston out of Central Catholic. Both prospects have seen their stock on 24-7 sports fall pretty drastically, to be completely candid. I, they're both great kids. I, I respect, or young men, I respect both of them very much. I think Trajan's a great player. He's a great basketball player. He's tough. Amarion Winston comes from that Winston family of just phenomenal athletes. Uh, but both of them have seen their stock drop just a lot. I mean, Drajon a little less so. He's down about 50 to 60 spots uh, in the national rankings. He's still listed as the number 10 safety in the country. It sounds to me like that's going to come down potentially quite a bit still more, but he's already down 50 spots nationally. And Amarion Winston dropped down to a three-star prospect in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. He's still a 24-7 sports four-star prospect. I don't expect that to stay. I think he's going to drop uh, potentially to a mid to 
below three star prospect and and that's just based on evaluations that I've I've gotten and heard I again I like both these players and how many different times have we seen three star prospects or low four star prospects come to Oregon go to Oregon State go to wherever and end up being stars so to say like somebody's a mid three star prospect does not mean they're a bad football player. We need to get that through our heads for sure and understand that nobody's criticizing these guys as as bad football players. Trajan Williams is not lightning fast and he's not real big. He's not 6'3", 6'4", at the safety position and he's not a 4'4", 4'4", 5'5", type of guy. So because of that, if he's not a huge hitter and he's not real long and super rangy, he's kind of a tweener safety between a free safety and a strong safety. That's one of the reasons his stock has fallen a little bit. Again, I really like the young man and I really like the player. Amarion Winston has just grown. He was a four-star prospect, I believe a top 150 prospect in the entire country when he was like 15 or 16 years old and projected as an edge rusher outside linebacker. And to be completely candid, he's just gotten bigger. And now he looks like kind of a thick 4-3 defensive end or a smaller framed 4-3 defensive tackle. Uh, that puts him as a tweener in a 4-3. In a 3-4, he's too small to be a 3-4 defensive end. He's way too small to be a, a nose tackle. And he's not quite quick enough to be an edge rusher in a 3-4. So he's kind of in an in-between spot. Again, both these players are very talented. It has more to do with how they've grown and developed. Uh, and, and in both cases, we've seen them drop because... They don't necessarily have a true, you are this position, you're a prototypical free safety. You're a prototypical strong safety. You're a prototypical outside linebacker in a 3-4. You're a prototypical 4-3 edge. They don't have that. They're right in between. And so they actually aren't two and three on my list. I have them lower. I don't know how much lower, uh, but I have both of them uh, lower on my list. And and one of the prospects that's really risen, he's 15 on 24-7 sports. I have him in my top five solidly, potentially in my top three, is can be offensive lineman Jacob Strand. Jacob Strand was a little bit of a flyer. And, and frankly, I even got some reports that were a little bit of a head scratcher that was like, really, Oregon State? When he committed and when he got the offer, because it was like, man, I don't necessarily think he's that guy. I'm not sure that he's a Pac-12 player, but he has really, we talk about development, kind of not going the wrong way, but just your body doesn't go exactly to a certain position. You become a tweener. Jacob Strand's the other way. He's developed, his technique's gotten better, and he's a monster. And I've had a number of people now tell me, have you seen him lately? He's really, really good. Jacob Strand's a very good football player. He's going to play offensive line again at Oregon State, and he's just a guy who just keeps getting better and you look at what coach Mahalchek has done and, and I've been more critical than anyone about how Oregon State has recruited high school offensive linemen and it, I need to be clear there because there are a ton of folks who say well their offensive line is really good and you said they'd be bad no I said their high school recruits and junior college recruits were not Pac-12 caliber players for the most part and you look at that offensive line that's doing so well this year, their right tackle is a transfer. Their left tackle is their highest rated offensive line recruit of the last five or six years. In fact, I believe it since Isaac Siamalu in uh, in gray, their tackle. And then Nathan Eldridge is a transfer who was an all-conference player at Arizona. So your both your tackles and your center, arguably your three most important positions on your line, are guys who I either said one was a great recruit for them, the other two are transfers. 
So they've done a good job of doing patchwork. And I actually think Strand's going to be a very, very good high school prospect and makes up a very good class for Oregon State. Jacob Strand's in that mix. Dylan Lopez is the number three center in America, according to ESPN. They also got Luka Vincic, who I think is a very nice piece as a developmental right tackle. Uh, three really good offensive linemen for Oregon State. And for a long time, and, and even when they committed, I think you could easily have said, Dylan Lopez and Luca Vincic are light years better than Jacob Strand in terms of ranking, in terms of where people thought they are. That's not the case anymore. Jacob Strand's right up there with them. So I've got Jacob Strand in my top three or four. Um, I'm hard pressed to just say he's number three with a bullet, but he is very, very good. Uh, at four, five, and six, you've got uh, Jacob Newell, a very talented uh, tight end headed to Nevada. Cole Perusha, the Gatorade Player of the Year in Tualatin. At, on one side, as a junior, he was named the Oregon Offensive Player of the Year. On another, he was first-team All-State on offense, but was the Defensive Player of the Year. So according to different publications, he was either or both, the best offensive player in Oregon and the best defensive player in Oregon. That's how good he was as a junior, having a great year for a Tualatin team that's going to compete for the state title. Uh, they are not the clear-cut absolute number ones by any stretch, obviously, anymore, particularly given that they lost to Lake Oswego, but they are a good football program, and, and Cole Prusha is certainly a major, major part of that. He was committed to Oregon State. He's going to Princeton. Recently took a visit to Washington. I think there's a possibility still that his recruitment changes, but as of right now, he's an Ivy League kid, and, and I think that makes a lot of sense for him. Caden Ludwig comes in, I believe, at number five in the 24-7 sports ranking. He's another one that's in my top four. My top four is probably Darius Clemens, uh, Trajan Williams, Jacob Strand, and Caden Ludwig. Not necessarily in that order. I think Darius Clemens is all by himself at number one, and then Strand, uh, Ludwig and Williams are kind of in a second tier together. Uh, Caden Ludwig, his dad played at Oregon State. This one may come back eventually to bite them for not really going in on Ludwig. They didn't offer him. Uh, they weren't seemingly very interested in him. He goes to Colorado and there are folks who believe that he's the number two player in the state of Oregon. And, and definitely most, I would say almost every uh, scout coach evaluator I talk to at this point has Ludwig ahead of a Marion Winston who is in a in the top 10 but again because he has no proven absolute no doubter no brainer this is his college position whereas Ludwig does Ludwig's higher on a lot of boards at this point uh Caden Ludwig's a very good player and he's got a chance to be an all-conference player as he develops I really like what he's done at Clackamas High School from there there's kind of a list of receivers that are hoping to get a big offer. Obviously, the leader of that group right now is Justice Lowe from Lake Oswego. He was at Lincoln High School. He's fairly new to football. Uh, started out, I believe, between his sophomore and junior year, kind of giving it a shot. Was more of a track kid. And he not only was fast, but he was really good getting out of his routes. He has pretty natural hands. He doesn't fight the ball. He's not an elite soft hands guy, but he's got pretty good hands for somebody who's, who is fairly new to football, but again, not elite hands, which is probably why some schools now see him as a DB. He picked up offers from Oregon State and Colorado recently, and there we go again. Bingo, bango, bongo. Uh, Oregon State and Colorado just go head-to-head -head every year for top DBs and top corners specifically. And, and you look the last couple of years, Oregon State has just wrecked Colorado's plan at defensive back. Rajon Wright, Nashon Wright, Alton Julian, all players that were Oregon State or Colorado down to the very, very end. Oregon State flipped 
I believe Rajon. I believe Rajon was the right brother that was committed to Colorado. And because of that, they got Nashon. They also beat out Colorado for Alton Julian. So Colorado's best laid plans have have fallen at their feet because of the recruiting efforts of the Beavers coaching staff. This could be it again. Justice Lowe, I have talked to him. I imagine in the next couple of weeks, he'll visit Oregon State, he'll visit Colorado, and he'll make a choice. He also has an offer from UNLV. But once you've got two Pac-12 offers and he wants to play at the highest level, that makes the most sense. Again, he's the highest rated of that kind of next tier of wide receiver, but he's actually being recruited as a DB. The other ones are Jordan King out of Central Catholic, Keenan Spear Johnson, his dad's on the Oregon coaching staff, Don Johnson. Keenan Spear Johnson is a guy who's really just developed. He's just gotten better and better and better. And and to be honest, as a freshman and sophomore, I wasn't sure how it was going to go. I liked him. I liked him. But I wasn't in love with him. I wasn't necessarily sure what level he'd be at. And he's gotten better. He's gotten bigger. He's gotten more physical. He's got pretty good hands. He runs pretty good routes for being as big as he is. He's like a 6'3", 6'4 guy. Uh, Keenan Spear Johnson is going to end up playing somewhere. I don't know exactly where. I don't know exactly what's going to pop for him. His family's certainly super connected. His grandfather coaches in the NFL. So you could see something crop up for him Um from an interesting spot, but Keenan Spear Johnson, I think is going to be a guy who's going to be better potentially in college, even than he is in high school. And he's become a very good high school receiver. Miles Williams out of Clackamas high school. Another one, uh, he picked up an early offer from Oregon state. I believe they are pretty much full at wide receiver. So I'm not real sure that that's still an option for him. Um, he's also got a mountain West offer too, and, and some big sky offers. That kind of wraps up the class of 2022. And and as we'll see as a theme, 2023 is similar that way, where we have this top-heavy group, and then it, it falls off pretty quickly, not in terms of guys who aren't super talented, but if we were just talking about offers, guys who have packed big-time Pac-12 offers, and then suddenly it drops down to guys who, frankly, just don't. They have more of the FCS Mountain West-type offers. Um, 2023 is very similar that way with a couple of big names up at the top and and to be completely candid on on my board I've got like two or three guys that are Pac-12 level guys maybe four that are FBS level guys and then there's a whole bunch of really talented Mountain West FCS level players a bunch it's deep with those guys not very deep with FBS guys and that's going to bother some people that's going to make some people upset and some of the kids the young men that are going to be mentioned in this are going to be disappointed with where I say I think they're going but I've talked to some college programs. I've talked to some evaluators. I've talked to some high school coaches and said, what do you think of the class of 2023? Two people said, it's really bad. Oregon's on the decline. It's getting bad. Oregon's not where it used to be. The average athlete's a little bit better. There's more training. There's more seven on. There's there's a lot of outlets to get better as an individual, but that top tier talent is not there. And then I talked to a third source and I told him what the other two said, didn't use their names. And he said, you know, they're not wrong in the sense that Oregon's not great in 2023. But the thing that everyone is missing is that Oregon had a glory stretch from like 2016 to 2019. Talanoa Hafunga, Justin Herbert, Brady Breeze, Elijah Molden, you know, Jackson Kirkland, who's projected as a first round pick. Dawson Jeremillo, starter, starting offensive lineman for the Ducks. Alex Forsyth, Westland High School, starting offensive lineman for the Ducks. A number of players. Eric Dungy 
And Eric Dungy going to Syracuse, and, and he, I believe he upset Clemson at one point. He was almost an afterthought. Jackson Kirkland, big time, big time, big time player, and, and, you know, going to be a first round pick. He was like seventh or eighth in the 24-7 sports rankings because there were so many good prospects. And what what this source told me is Oregon experienced a really good stretch, and people thought that was the new normal because it lasted four or five years. Go back and start looking at classes starting at 2005 and go from 2005 to 2014. And then look at 2020 and 2021 and 2022. Those classes are all kind of the same. 2023 is like those, where there's a couple of great prospects in Oregon and then the rest are good players, but they're not elite prospects. What happened and what has happened across the board in different states is you will have a stretch of three or four really good years. And then that stretch gets prolonged and, and extends past when it should because your state builds a reputation for producing high caliber players. They're more willing, coach, college coaches are more willing to take a chance on the Central Catholic wide receiver, the Jesuit running back, the Westland corner. Uh, they're more willing to take a chance on those guys because, hey, Elijah Molden was great. Hey, Silas Starr was great. Hey, you know, they're more willing to go out on a limb because your state produces five or six of them. And so actually, even after it falls off, there's a year or two where more FBS offers go out to kids who maybe are on the fence than who really kind of are slam dunk FBS kids. And then it goes down. And I felt that way. About 2021 and 2022, I liked a lot of the prospects in the class, but there were some offers that I went, man, that seems like a really high offer for that kid. He's good. He's talented, but I'm not real sure that offer makes sense this early. I'm not sure he's that good. And the source said, that's what happens after a state has a big collection of good prospects that college coaches get used to. Okay. There are five or six good ones in Oregon. There's another Talanoa Hafunga in Oregon. There's another Brady Breeze. There's another Elijah Molden. There's another Chase Coda. There's another Ziggy Zua Brothers. There's another Colt Lyerla. There's another Justin Herbert or Sam Neuer, whatever the case may be. And so 2023 is the first year that people are going, oh yeah, Oregon traditionally is kind of around the 30th best state for producing high school or college football talent. And so you've got college football coaches who have kind of cooled on Oregon a little bit. You know, they were red hot in 2017, 18, 19, 20, and it's starting to come down. And it might even come down too far where college football coaches go, okay, last couple of years, Oregon hasn't been that state anymore. And so some of those guys that maybe are deserving of an FBS offer don't get it, or they have to work that much harder. So 2023 is down compared to the heyday of 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019. But, but it's not a catastrophe that 2023 is just terrible. It's that 2023 is kind of back to normal for Oregon. We just had some glor a glory period. And that's the same thing that's going on in Washington. Washington just had a run where they produced Sam Heward, the number one quarterback in the nation. Emeka Ibuka, the number one receiver in the nation. Uh, they had JT Tuomalau, the number one overall prospect in the nation. G. Scott Jr., Savan Ahmed. They've had a number of great prospects. And Washington's still going to be good for a couple more years. But it's not quite what it was. And we're going to start to see Washington go down just a little bit. Again, not bad, 
but they're not going to have as many five stars as California, Texas, and Florida like they've had the last few years. It's just going to come down a little bit. Oregon coming down a little bit. The number one player in the class of 2023 with a bullet, unquestionably, I think he's the best prospect of the last few years in the state of Oregon. It's Riley Williams, the Central Catholic tight end. This kid is an absolute, this young man's an absolute monster. The number four tight end in the country. There was a bunch of hype about him coming in. And I just kept hearing people say, he's phenomenal. He's so good. You have no idea how good he is. And I've heard that so many times for so many kids. And then I go watch him and I'm like, eh. He's a good football player. He's a good high school football player. He'll play at Western Oregon or Eastern Oregon or Southern Oregon or maybe Portland State. Or sometimes I'll go see a guy and go, man, he is good. He's a Pac-12 player. He's not amazing, but he's a Pac-12 player. Riley Williams is the first young man in a while from Oregon who was better than his billing. Tobias Merriweather out of Vancouver was this guy for me in this recruiting cycle. People said he was good. He was not in the top 100 prospects in America. I went and saw him and was like, that kid's one of the best 10 receivers in the, in the country. Riley Williams, that same thing. I saw Riley Williams and I was like, that kid is a top five tight end in America. Now he is. Now he's the number four tight end. When I saw him, he was not. He, I don't know. He was a, I think he was a low four star, but he wasn't that guy yet. Riley Williams is a superstar. His brother, Corbin Williams, is a great, great young man. Uh, he was a walk-on at Oregon. I don't normally cover walk-ons, but I liked him so much. I actually ended up doing a story on the fact that he committed to Oregon because I just liked the family. Uh, two of his their uncles played at Oregon. Oregon is going to be a program to watch. He has an unofficial top three of Ohio State, Oregon, and USC. That's not done. It's not finalized. He's not necessarily right on top of making a decision, but I do think Oregon is going to be the lead program for him for a long time. His brother's there. He likes Oregon. He's visited a number of times. Oregon's going to have a real good shot. And again, Riley Williams is just special. I think he's the number 82 prospect in the country. It would floor me just because of the size athleticism combo. I think he's 6'6", 235 already. It would floor me if he doesn't, by the end of his development, have at least a shot in the NFL. Maybe he's an undrafted free agent at, at his worst, and at his best, he's a high-level you know, mid-round pick because that's where tight ends go, a second, third, fourth-round pick in the NFL draft. He's that good. He's that good. He's special. It's It's not going to be close. He's so far above and beyond in terms of his recruitment, every other prospect in Oregon in the class of 2023. And, and you might be able to say, Hey, this kid is more productive on Friday nights. Cool. You're probably right. Tight ends don't usually have 300 yard receiving games <laughs> and, and stuff like that. But in terms of just prospect status, Riley Williams is the best player by a long way because he's a high, high four-star prospect. And there isn't another one in Oregon, at least not right now. So there's a big, big gap. The big, big gap to me and some people have it next is DeMarcus Houston. I've talked about him. He's a corner. He's six foot one uh, out of uh, West Albany. Really talented player. Got an offer from Oregon State. Re again, really good player. I really like DeMarcus Houston. He's probably a three-star prospect. I, I kind of think he's got potential to be a low four. I hope he grows. I hope he gets to six two. I I've heard he might not. He's maybe a little under six one. Uh, he's listed as six two. If he's a legit six two, he might end up being a four star. If he's six foot and a half, uh, he's probably going to be a three star. So it'll be interesting to see how he grows and develops. Really like him, but the high riser right now in the class of twenty twenty three, the biggest stock riser in all of the state in any class without question is Wilsonville defensive end Tristan Davis. He's a basketball player, or at least he has been. Six foot seven, two hundred thirty five pounds. Started the year and his film was 
miserable. But the athleticism was phenomenal. Oh, six foot seven, 235 pounds. It can move. Remember Nathan Rawls Kabangi? Nathan Rawls Kabangi out of Jefferson was the, was up for, you know, basketball. I think he won player of the year in the state of Oregon in basketball. He picked up football and I immediately had him as number one or number two in the entire state. And you watch his film and you're like, he's not even a very good high school football player because we're not sure what he's doing. He's not sure what he's doing. He doesn't have a pass rush move. He doesn't know how to bull rush. He doesn't know what to do with his hands. He doesn't know pursuit angles. He didn't know how to do anything. But as the season progressed, he got better and better. He ended up committing to Oklahoma. He was a four-star prospect. This is the same thing. Tristan Davis is the same thing. Different, different kind of player. Six foot seven. Potentially, you bulk him up and make him an Eric Armstead type. But Tristan Davis is amazing. I sent his film to a Pac-12 program and was like, hey, check this guy out. Never heard back. <laughs> Never heard back. Um, who knows what's going to happen with it. But uh, and, and maybe they don't like him. But my understanding is that this young man already has some of the top schools in the country heavily, heavily recruiting him. And I don't really know why or what's going on, but I was told very clearly that he has a major, major offer. And just maybe to get away from the attention for a little bit or not to tell everyone what it is, he's waiting to announce it. But Tristan Davis, my number two player in the state of Oregon, he'll end up being a four-star prospect in my mind, just purely based on the size and athleticism. Again, same thing as Nate Rollins Kabangi. You might watch his film or see him on a Friday night and go, that guy doesn't really know what he's doing on a football field. And by that, I just mean he, his technique's not advanced. I don't mean literally he's running backwards or running around the field like a chicken with his head cut off. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying from a technique standpoint, he still doesn't know what he's doing. But Tristan Davis is going to end up being a four-star prospect. Tristan Davis, expect him to land 10 to 15 major, major offers. I've already mentioned Demarcus Houston. He's number three on my list. Number four on my list, rising very quickly. I don't think he's listed anywhere yet. Is Clackamas edge rusher Tyler King? Clackamas edge rusher Tyler King is an absolute monster. Six foot five, maybe six foot six. Edge rusher moves well, big body, uh, potentially going to be 235, 240. Nobody really knows about him yet. I think he's a better prospect. And I've heard this, that, that internally there are some folks there who think he's a better prospect than Caden Ludwig. And I have Caden Ludwig really high. So if Tyler King's better than Caden Ludwig, and, and that's what my eyes tell me on film, then Tyler King has to be in my top five. So I've got Tyler King as my number four prospect in Oregon. I really like Tyler King. I think, think he's got a chance to be a Pac-12 player. I think at the very, very least, he's going to have multiple Mountain West offers and FCS offers and have an opportunity to play because he's going to fit so many schemes. And when you watch him on film, you don't say, I don't really know what he does. You know what he is. You don't have to guess how his body's going to grow. You don't have to guess how he's going to develop. You go, bingo, that dude can be an edge rusher. I really like Tyler King, good football player, going to have multiple scholarship offers by the time it is all said and done. Sam Levitt has a Florida State offer. That's a good offer. Florida State is one of those schools that offers you know, hundreds of prospects every year, so I'm not 100% sure if that's committable. I like Sam Levitt. He is the top quarterback in Oregon, depending on how he develops. you know, His brother played in the NFL, so depending on how he and plays in the NFL, depending on how Sam Levitt develops, he could skyrocket up this list and make me look foolish. I really like Sam Levitt. He's talented. He loves football. I just want to see him continue to develop, and, and again, good football player. The arm's not a cannon. He's not monster-sized. So there's, there's some limitations there from a, 
evaluation standpoint where you go, this guy isn't the prototypical absolute 6'5", 220 rocket arm monster. That's not what he is. And so, and so because of that, right now, he's a little bit behind some other guys in terms of my rankings, in terms of some other rankings. I think he's a three-star prospect on 24-7 sports. But again, another player who's going to maybe have Pac-12, Mountain West, FCS type offers. Talented player, really like him. And then from there, we have this chunk of players and you can call them the all Friday night crew. You can call them whatever you want to call them. They produce monster numbers. They are great football players, but whether it comes down to pure speed and how fast they run a 40 or exactly how big their bodies are or how, what they're going to grow into because of that, the college football programs I've talked to, the evaluators I talked to see them potentially as more the group of five FCS level players. Those are really good football players, folks. If you play at Western Oregon, if you play at Eastern Oregon, if you play at Southern Oregon, if you play at Portland State, you are really, really good at football. There has been years, multiple years. Heck, look at last year. Last year's Gatorade Player of the Year in Oregon. Offensive Player of the Year, according to one publication. Defensive Player of the Year, according to another. So according to different publications, he was both the best offensive and defensive player in the entire state of Oregon. Gatorade made him the Oregon Player of the Year, Cole Prusha. He's going to Princeton. He's the best player in Oregon as a junior on offense and defense. Not going to Alabama. Not going to Oregon. Not going to USC. Not going to Notre Dame. Not going to Michigan. Not going to Ohio State. He's going to Princeton. It is really, really hard to be an elite recruit. A lot of it comes down to athleticism. A lot of it comes down to size. And if I could make an all Friday night team, the next three, four guys in this list absolutely would be on it with a bullet. And I think there's a good chance one or two of them pop and end up being power five conference offers guys, depending on how they develop. But right now, if they're wait and see guys, Mark Hamper from Westland High School might be, might be the best two way player in the state of Oregon on a Friday night. If you were going to draft the team and you wanted the most impactful player, You want to get an offensive player and a defensive player. In Oregon high school football, you probably don't want a quarterback. You want a guy who plays both sides of the ball and can be an all-state guy on both sides of the ball. Mark Hamper might be your first or second pick in the entire state. Phenomenal player. Six foot two, 200 pounds out of Westland. Love Mark Hamper. He's a future backer. We'll see how he develops. Richie Anderson out of Tualatin. Love the length, love the size. We'll just see how he develops, see how he runs a 40, that whole thing. Good player. Is he a Mountain West guy? Is he going to pop and be more than that? Drew Rodriguez out of Sprague, six foot, 195 pounds, good football player, another player that on Friday nights, you're taking him, no question, in the top few picks in the entire state. But from a prospect standpoint, where is he going to end up? That remains kind of a mystery. And, and that's the case with so many of these guys in 2023. And I could do 30 names. I could list 30 players that I really, really like, that are really, really talented, that some high school coach will listen to this or some parent will listen to this and say, Nimick is absolutely insane. How in the world did he not mention so-and-so who runs for 300 yards a night and has 15 tackles? I hear you. I get it. These aren't necessarily my evaluations purely, right? I'm mostly going down the list of 24-7 sports and interjecting a Tyler King. Mentioning that, you know, Tristan Davis to me is number two. He's number three on 24-7 sports. Marcus Houston's number two on 24-7 sports. I have him at three, right? And then there's that group. And Mark Hamper is number five. Sam Levitt's in the top five. I mentioned those guys. Richie Anderson, I believe, number six. Drew Rodriguez, number seven. Josiah Davis, a running back out of Salem. He's in the top 10. 
Those guys are all really, really talented. It's just from a recruiting standpoint right now, we're not real sure where they're going to end up. This class of 2023, clear headliner. He'll never be caught, at least as far as I can. The only guy that's got a chance is Tristan Davis because as good as all the other guys in the state are, they don't have the same size athleticism combo and you can't coach that. There are guys right now, I think in the state of Oregon who are better just high school football players than Riley Williams. Riley Williams has a infinitely higher ceiling than most, almost everyone in the state because he's a six foot six, 235 pound tight end that runs like a deer and he's already really good. Again, there might be a player you'd say he's a better linebacker than Riley Williams as a tight end in high school football on Friday nights. Sure. But if you're making me pick who's going to play in the NFL in seven years, my first pick and everyone's first pick is going to be Riley Williams. From there, we'll see. Tristan Davis, super raw, but he's that size athleticism combo that, that schools drool over. And we already saw this. We saw this a couple years ago. Nate Rollins-Kabangi. He wasn't the best guy in the state on Friday night, but he had that size athleticism. And Oklahoma, the Oklahoma Sooners came calling and offered him a scholarship. That size athleticism combo matters. So Tristan Davis for me, number two. Demarcus Houston's already a Pac-12 recruit. And then a whole group of wait and see. And again, that's not a knock on 2023. We're just back to normal in Oregon. There aren't going to be eight four-star guys every year. There aren't going to be six four-star guys every year. This year, there might be one or two. And that's traditionally what it's been. No shame in it. And if Mark Hamper pops, if Richie Anderson pops, if Drew Rodriguez pops, if Sam Levitt pops, it won't surprise me. In fact, one or two of them will and blossom and be dominant and grow a little or develop a little or find a coach that totally believes in them and gives them a scholarship and they might be superstars. And I won't be shocked. If you're one of the top 10 football players in the state, you are an amazing football player. But as of right now, they still need to find a power five school that totally believes in them and pulls the trigger and offers them a committable scholarship. When we come back, taking a quick break, when we come back, we'll break down the visitor list for the Oregon Ducks. It's again, it's a Friday night game. So most of the athletes who potentially could visit will be on the football field themselves all across the country. But there are a few visitors. We'll, we'll break it down when we get back. The Oregon Ducks have a home game. It is a Friday night game against Cal, a get-right game for the football program. And and in, to some extent, it's that way in recruiting. Not get-right, but maybe re-familiarize yourselves with a couple of committed players. Tanner Bailey, the quarterback out of Alabama, is visiting Oregon this weekend. He's already a commit. He's already locked in for the class of 2022. He's visiting Sir Mel's, the defensive lineman out of Nevada. He's visiting this weekend, making the trip. And then really the most intriguing name on the list is actually a class of 2023, Three players from Lincoln High School in San Diego will be making the trip to Eugene. Two of them you're familiar with. Jalil Tucker, the number four athlete in the country, and Jalil Florence. He's listed as the number 33 corner in the country. When he committed, I told you, he's better than that. He's a top 10 or 15 corner in the country, and he has been magnificent. Jalil Florence, Greg Biggins has talked about it and written about it, that he's going to rise up 24-7 sports rankings, that he's maybe the number one candidate on the West Coast to rise up the rankings. I wouldn't be floored if he jumped up 200 spots or something like that in their rankings. Jalil Florence is a monster. Oregon got themselves a freak at the cornerback position. He's fast. He's fluid. He's big. He uh, held a five-star wide receiver catchless 
a couple of weeks ago. Jaleel Florence is visiting this weekend, and I'm not trying to take anything away from Jaleel Tucker. He's already a top 60, top 70 recruit in the nation, the number four athlete in the country. Everybody knows what he is. He's phenomenal. He's a phenomenal football player. He's lightning fast. He's one of the fastest kids in the entire country. Everybody knows what he is. But when you hear the number 33 corner, you think, oh, well, one Jaleel's really, really good, and the other Jaleel's pretty good. That's not the case. They're both amazing. They are both top 70, top 80 prospects in the entire country. Both monster gets two of the absolute headliners of this class that's ranked sixth in the nation. And if you look at it and you look at 24-7 sports right now, again, they will move him up. They've already said they will. They just need to update their rankings. I'm not taking shots at 24-7. But if you look at their class rankings right now, you get to Oregon, you scroll down, you scroll down, you scroll down, and you see the names, you know, right at the top, Kelvin Banks. You see McMillan, the five star, the borderline five-star wide receiver. You see Jaleel Tucker right off the bat. Boom, 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 boom. You scroll, and you scroll, and you scroll, and then there's Jaleel Florence, like almost like an afterthought. And the reality is he's one of the top five players in this class. And he's got a chance to play on Sundays. He's phenomenal. So he's visiting, along with Jaleel Tucker, two of the best athletes on the West Coast, both going to Oregon. Then their younger teammate, class of 2023 running back, Roderick Robertson the second, is visiting. He's the number 15 back in the country. Look, Oregon's offered 10 running backs in 2023. It sounds very much to me, based on the conversations I've had with those recruits, based on the film I've seen, they're looking at a speed back and a power back. And usually... Usually schools don't go, eh, we don't care what we get. We'll take a power back or a speed back. So the fact that they're targeting both tells me they want to take two running backs in 2023. 2021 was a terrible year for running backs on the West Coast. Oregon got the best one in Byron Cardwell. 2022, down year for running backs on the West Coast. Tough to find them. Really hard to find them. 2023, that's not the case. There's a lot of good running backs. So Oregon's going, okay, we're all in on 2023. Let's go get us a running back. Roderick Robertson is one of the top five or six power backs in the entire country. Six foot one, 220 pounds, an absolute moose. There's a photo of him that I've tweeted. He stiff arms a guy and the dude looks like his head, literally like his neck broke and his head's like the wrong way on his shoulder pads. He's face planning. His legs are in the air. Literally, the, the, it looks photoshopped. And, and the Lincoln football Twitter account said people are going to say this is photoshopped. And like, you know, with a crying laughing emoji because the dude looks like an airplane. His arms are out. His legs are back. He looks like he's airplaning, except his head's like snapped backwards. That's how hard he got stiff armed by Roderick Robertson. This is his second trip to Oregon. If he's a committable prospect, and I imagine he would be, uh, this is definitely one to watch. Roderick Robertson arrived on Wednesday. Uh, he is there Thursday. He'll be there for the game Friday. It's obviously an unofficial visit because uh, he's a younger player. So just something to keep an eye on. Roderick Robertson visiting. He went a day early. So it's interesting. He's not the tag along with the Jalils. He actually made the trip himself, which is intriguing. He's doing his own recruitment to some extent, and I think that's pretty telling. Something to keep an eye on. Oregon is going after a bunch of the top running backs in the country. So even if they get Roderick Robertson, Richard Young, the five-star running back, Ruben Owens out of Texas, the five-star running back, those guys are still very much in play. Something to keep an eye on. Maybe a one-two punch with a power and speed guy going forward. Roderick Robertson, uh, potentially, obviously, the power punch of that one-two duo that could develop in 2023. The other prospect, he's not visiting this weekend, but it is an interesting development. I talked to Harold Perkins. He was planning to visit for the Oregon-Oregon State game. He is visiting for the Oregon-Colorado game. That is when he will be taking his visit 
five-star linebacker, big-time talent out of Texas. Really like him, obviously, five-star prospect. Someone to keep an eye on. And you look, and Oregon did such a good job ahead of the curve in saying, okay, the West Coast is down, and we've already done a good job. You know, two years ago, Oregon had the number one. They were in it for JT Tuomalau as the number one prospect in Washington. Uh, They got the number one prospect in Oregon, Keith Brown. They got the number one prospects in, I believe, California, or the number two prospect in California. They got the number one prospect in Nevada and Colorado and uh, Arizona in Ty Thompson. Uh, They did a great job dominating the West Coast two years ago. You're already dominating the West Coast. So you need a new frontier. What's the next frontier? It was Texas. And it it aligned beautifully with the fact that the West Coast is down this year. You know, I, I think I saw somewhere, and everybody knows California, Texas, and Florida traditionally are the power three programs uh, in terms of developing college talent. Those are the best three programs for college football prospects. And this year, I believe Texas has four times as many blue chip recruits as California. They're normally even. Some years, California has more. So the fact, or at least they're similar. So the fact that Texas has four times as many tells you how down California is. It's a down year. So Oregon goes to Texas and they get Kelvin Banks and they get Nicholas Anderson, the All-American wide receiver, and they get Steven Johnson and they get Landon Hullaby, the four-star safety. And now in 2023, because they built that, they've got a shot at a Harold Perkins, the five-star linebacker. They've got a shot at the five-star running back, Ruben Owens. Brilliant job by the Oregon coaching staff seeing ahead. It's chestnut checkers, and right now they have played chess beautifully with recruiting. 2023 going to be the best year in program history. I think it could be a top three class in America. I think Oregon in 2023 will be competing with, not necessarily beating, but competing with Alabama and Ohio State and Clemson the crown of the nation's top recruiting class. That's how special I think this group's going to be. That'll do it for this edition of the Recruiting Trail. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy Friday night's game. I hope maybe you'll listen to it as a pregame. If not, you'll get it on the weekend. And by the way, this content all still relevant uh, because it has more to do with the rankings going forward than it does what is happening on Thursday, Friday, and even Saturday. So hopefully you get this podcast and you really enjoy it i appreciate you please subscribe wherever you get your podcast leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts, and uh yeah keep uh, keep listening to the show we appreciate you